Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Scott Wilkins, Managing Director of Hexus. Scott, hello. Hello, Matthew. Well, thank you for coming on the program today. Um, normally, we charge headlong into the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how this has affected your business. Um, yes, it, it has affected our business in, uh, in some serious uh, ways, Matthew. Um, and, you know, after the, the first, what, 12, nearly 13 weeks now, um, we're just starting to see the, the green shoots of the business starting to turn itself back around um, and uh, hopefully going forward, uh, improvements constantly. Now, how uh, has this affected uh, the business uh, in terms of supply chain and also demand? Well, supply chain is, has been very good from our suppliers. Um, most of our materials comes uh, from Hexis in France, who's our main supplier, and obviously several of the companies in Italy and Germany. And to be fair, the suppliers have worked very, very hard to keep the flow of materials coming. But in March and April, the demand from our customers um, was almost zero to none. Uh, so many of the smaller sign makers and vehicle wrap companies shut their doors in, in fear and, uh, and cautiousness, I suppose, because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, so our demand just went went from being brilliant in January and February to nothing in March and April, and we've just started to see it pick up again now in May. Now, of course, uh, this is a challenging time for people who are leading businesses. So uh, we should move on uh, to the subject of leadership. Um, I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, okay, so uh, lots of different things come to mind when you think about leadership. Um, I, I think a leader's got to be a, a strong person, uh, certainly uh, an influencer, to, obviously to people that he's leading, uh, motivational, uh, keep positivity w- with people. Uh, I think uh, if you want to make a difference, it's not about the, the role or position, it's about uh, having a goal and a target and, and working with the people uh, you've got with you as part of your team uh, to to achieve the goal, really. Now, of course, uh, people have different sorts of uh, leadership styles. Uh, what would you say yours is? Um, well, I, I heard a, a phrase which I thought was absolutely fantastic several weeks ago, and I, I will use it because I'd written it down to remind me, and it said, a pessimist complains about the wind, an optimist expects it to change, but a true leader just adjusts the sails uh, and glides along on the water. And I thought that was a brilliant thing. I, I'd like to think that uh, leadership is about having a, a good strategy and being a team player with the people that you work with. Now, um, of course, uh, when it comes to working in teams, uh, we're working with all different types of people who sometimes, uh, let's be honest, we're all humans. We don't always get along with one another. But how do you diffuse conflict amongst your staff? Um, I, I think a lot of the times what you need to do is uh, have some good team leaders. 
uh, and delegate to them the roles that they've got so they can manage their uh, individual teams in, in smaller numbers. Uh, certainly, I think if you're a positive leader and you empower people, then they tend to achieve that happy, uh, what, what, what's the best way to put it, that, that happy environment uh, for working as team player and positivity. I think the most, most important thing is not to have negatives, is to always have positives. Now, of course, um, leadership doesn't develop in a vacuum. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of your career when you first um, started your working life. Did you have any particular influences on you who shaped you as you are today? Uh, very, very much so. When, when I first uh, started actually in the sign industry, uh, there was a, a sales director and a, a managing director who was also the financial director that influenced me heavily when I first joined and they inspired me uh, to want to uh, start my own uh, after a period of time and certainly to end up with my own company. And actually I've ended up in exactly the same industry that I started in 17. So uh, yes, the, those two gentlemen definitely inspired me greatly. And what would your advice be to the next generation of emerging leaders? Um, I think it's really important to uh, get to know your uh, your industry from uh, actually from the grassroots. So understand what your customers uh, demand of a business, uh, and, and certainly uh, innovation within a company. I think that distinguishes uh, a business as a leader rather than a business following what the competition do. So I think it's important to to understand the market, understand your customers, uh, and also to have good relationships with the suppliers. I think if you've got good relationships with your suppliers um, and, and they're confident with uh, what your abilities are and you're confident with what your team's abilities are, then that will make it successful, I'm sure. Now, uh, of course, uh, in this new and changed uh, business environment, uh, we are going to be looking at uh, industries changing the way uh, that they have been uh, working and leading. Have you found uh, leadership under uh, COVID-19 to be different? And have you found any uh, qualities that you've had to embrace during this period um, that you're going to keep in effect uh, afterwards? Um, yeah, I think it, it's very, very important uh, during the uh, the COVID situation is to be aware of all of the departments within our company. I'm, I'm sure it's the same for, for other leaders in business, making sure that the individual uh, departments, individual teams are, are happy, making sure that they're certainly they're, they're comfortable and they feel secure uh, in their working environment. Uh, and, and also to, to be aware of uh, new practices uh, with more online business, uh, more uh, preparation uh, for the day so when you finish at night time before you go home actually you've prepared certain things for the following day rather than what people would have done before is rushed in the morning six months ago rushed to get going have that little bit of preparation and, and pre-thought about your your day-to-day -day working i certainly think that's gonna that would that would be a good advice and uh, useful thought for people now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Hexus? Um, well, we've got to and have to pick up the pieces um, from the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, we have been very, very lucky with the supplier Hexus in France have been able to 
developed some new products for floor graphics uh, and visual markings uh, to help with the, the COVID-19. They've, they've brought out some new films that are uh, health-orientated and antimicrobial films. So we're going to really focus on making sure that our customers are aware of the, these new products that we've got to offer. And in, in turn, they're able to offer them to their customers, which will hopefully make make a difference uh, in the world. And people can, you know, normal... Um, what can I call it, uh, normal public will be able to see the visual difference that the Hexis company and, and Hexis products are able to make in the sign and graphic industry. And that's going to be our focus for the next 12 months, Matthew. Well, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I do hope that you can come back on uh, when we have a bit more time to talk about things other than the virus. Um, Scott, thank you. Thank you very much, Matthew. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. That was Scott Wilkins, Managing Director of Hexus. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team, when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, yeah. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course uh, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at. West Ham uh, with with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with 
your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the. Uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was in terms of inspiring confidence I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me I guess would be the captain Bob Moore although he was only uh, about eight months older than me he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62 four years before the final when I played and so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player if you like not as a, a guy with the same age group as me and I looked at how he how he uh, trained how he acted how he behaved and how he played and so he he would say I would also say he was a big influence on me one thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do I do understand clearly in all walks of life leadership is at the top is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business mm-hmm football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff and I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time And is there do you think uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens but is there a specific moment if you could 
uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's, that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form or didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. 
And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both, they're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one, it's too long for me to tell you, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You've you got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches people must realise that that's 
that has an influence how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly um, yeah and and with that looking at um, uh, football today uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely... Mm. You've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing. Astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath, and there was nobody. And I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, 
and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word is team. team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, Together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and single mind and dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.